So in the year of 2022 in sports, at least the games that I've gone to, I've experienced two different types of weird situations, which is to put it lightly in, in a mixture of bad words. I've witnessed the Yankees get no hit. I've also witnessed my football team tie with a rival for the first time in 25 years, I think is right. And it's funny. Well, the last team they tied against was the Washington Redskins. But welcome back, everybody, to the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. Appreciate you all coming back. Hopefully, this doesn't cut out this time while I'm recording because the first time around, um, I was rambling on for like 20, 30 minutes, and it says encoder is not working. So I did some things. And hopefully we got some success this time. So I want to point out two things real quickly before we go into this game. Um, and maybe do some shout-outs, whatever. Maybe we'll go into experience afterwards uh, as like a end-of-the-show type thing. Um, I would like to thank everybody who checked in on me Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Um, it's obviously been a rough couple of days, and it's going to be with... My godfather, my uncle passing away. And I really never bring personal life into uh, the life of social media, the life of content creating. But when it impacts your life, it, you know, it hits hard. Um, there's only so much you can keep off social media. There's only so much that, you know, you can hide a little bit. And that's why I said originally, look, uh, I'm postponing slash delaying my podcast episode uh i would say premiere because i had a family member pass away who was very close to me and you know sometimes the thing that goes above your sports media life is your personal life so i wanted to thank everybody who was coming on on instagram twitter snapchat all these different places and saying you know uh, basically sending their condolences. It's not something I do for attention, but I just wanted to let everybody know, and I wanted to express my gratitude for someone who's no longer with us. With that being said, um, I don't have a voice, not for that reason. I don't have a voice because I was screaming at the Giants game. I was screaming at the Knicks game. Um, we're going to get to maybe some experiences, as I said, towards the end of the episode. But I just wanted to give you guys some clarifications as to why my voice is like 70% gone. Uh, I have water here. I only have probably half a glass left. So that's going to suit me through the whole show. I'm not taking any breaks or whatnot. We're just going to go full through with this. A fucking tie. And you know who I blame for this? And this is going to be the comedy part. I'm going to blame my former co-host of the Boys and Big Apple Podcast, Sean. Because every single time he, we would talk, leading up to this, knowing we were going to the next game, right? He goes, your game better not go into overtime. And if it goes into overtime, they better not tie. Well, guess what? We went into overtime, we tied. But in reality, let's get to the reality part. Fun stuff later. Um, Man, this was... This was one of the worst coached games of the season. And this was so winnable. 
This was so unwinnable, but the Giants kept finding ways to throw their opportunities in the fucking trash. I would say the units that get a pass are probably the defense, but they have some scrutiny as well, and I will go over that. Um, but, man, the Giants, I think the phrase of the entire game was playing not to lose. And we saw this last year, saw this year before with Joe Judge. I'm going to sit here and say that Brian Dable's Joe Judge but it's it's a, it's it's two different things when you say coming into the year you're going to be aggressive and then you learn your personnel shit which they were originally nothing's really changed since day 1 um and then you go conservative so whether it's a Brian Dable thing a Mike Kafka thing I don't know um don't be concerned when I go on my rant and I don't have a voice it's just you know my my sports fandom is kicking in But I want to get to the team stats overall. Um, And then I want to go into the offense first. So let's go into offensive stats. Daniel Jones was 25 for 31, 200 yards, 6.5 yards per throw. One touchdown, four sacks taken, a 31.8 QBR and a rating of 104.3. And then Taylor Heineke, 27 for 41. 275 yards, 6.7 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, five sacks, 27.8 QBR, and a 101.2 passer rating. Let's go to the running game. The Giants, uh, Daniel Jones was 12 for 71. And Saquon Barkley was 18 for 63, 3.5 yards per carry, and a touchdown. That led to the Giants' running game having 30 carries, 134 yards, 4.5 yards per carry, and a touchdown. Rather surprised... And a little disappointed that they didn't get Matt Breda or Gary Brightwell involved. Or maybe even Richie James. I mean, they got Curtis Samuel involved. Richie James is, you know, a similar build. He's not of the similar, I would say, I can't say skill set because I would say it's alike. It's just Samuel is a way better player than Richie James is. I'm just throwing shit out there. Washington rushing game absolutely killed us. They never got into the end zone with it, but it eventually is kind of what led them down the field at certain times. Brian Robinson killed us, 21 carries, 96 yards. Antonio Gibson, 9 carries, 39 yards. Curtis Samuel, 3 carries, 23 yards. All of them were above 4.3 yards per carry. And then Williams and uh, Taylor Heineke rushed combined three times for 7 yards. Let's go to the receiving game. Terry McLaurin killed us. I think it's the saying, something by a thousand paper cuts, killing by a thousand paper cuts, something like that. Eight receptions under five yards, a touchdown. Curtis Samuel, six receptions, 63 yards. John Dotson, five receptions, 54 yards. Antonio Gibson, two receptions, 20 yards. Logan Thomas, three receptions, 20 yards. And then Robinson had a reception or two for 15, and then Cam Sims as well. Darius Slay was the lead receiver for the Giants, six uh, receptions for 190 yards, five receptions, 44 yards for Isaiah Hodgins, also a touchdown. Daniel Bellinger, five catches, 24 yards. Um, Richie James, three catches, 20 yards, five catches, 18 yards for Barkley, and then Breida had a catch for four. Um, Fumble-wise, Daniel Jones fumbled. He lost it, and Jamin Davis recovered it. Taylor Heineke fumbled twice. One was recovered by his center, Tyler Larson. Uh, The other one was... Fumbled by O'Shane Zimenez, 
and then recovered by uh, Aziz Ojolari. So Hani fumbles, Shane fumbles the recovery, but recovered by Aziz, the one who forced it. We'll talk about that on the defensive side. And then Brian Robinson fumbled out of bounds. Look at the Washington defensive stats. Overall for the Giants and their O-line, I can't say it's bad, but it's only on the stat sheet, of course. And we still, in my opinion, half lost the game. Uh, Four sacks, eight tackles for a loss, and four quarterback hits. So Cameron Curl, Jamin Davis had a tackle for loss. Montez Sweat had a tackle for loss. Uh, Deron Payne had a very good day, probably the best defensive player on the field. He had two sacks, two tackles for a loss, and two quarterback hits. Bobby McCain had a tackle for a loss. Danny Johnson had a sack, a tackle for a loss, quarterback hit, and two pass deflections. Jonathan Allen had one tackle for a loss, a quarterback hit, and a sack. So that was that. Giants, they were very good for you know some of the mistakes that they ended up making. You had Kayvon Thibodeau with a sack, quarterback hit, two quarterback hits actually, and a tackle for a loss. And it was a pivotal time. We talk about him. You know, really coming in these clutch situations. It happened to be a clutch situation where he came in. Um, did we win the game? No. But that stop was very important because, you know, you know, what if he passes? What if he gets incomplete, right? They, they're going to keep going. They're going to spike the football. But um, nice call by Wink. I think he stunted McLeod or did something to where Leno was going to the right and he was blocking McLeod and then, you know, he couldn't get to Tibbs in time because Tibbs just went, boom, went right at Heineke. Um, I wish it would have went into the end zone or he would have lost the ball. But, hey, listen, you know what? Tibbs came in when it was needed. Uh, Julian Love had a tackle for a loss. He was all over the field, 12 tackles. Uh, Dexter Lawrence had a sack, a tackle for a loss, and a quarterback hit. Love him pushing through the interior. And it was he was double teamed, too. Like, there was some pressure on the interior. Um, from the left side, I think it was. And then Dexter Lawrence is like fighting off two different guys. He just grabs him from behind. So uh, Dexter Lawrence, great job. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau, we already mentioned. Uh, Jihad Ward, one sack, two quarterback hits. He actually had the one forced fumble that was recovered by Tyler Larson. So Jihad Ward, I mean, he's having a career year right now. Um, Leonard Williams had a quarterback hit. He left with a neck injury. I don't think there's anything on that because we haven't heard anything, unless they don't practice today, but they really should. Uh, Justin Ellis, he had his first NFL sack, or full sack, really, tackle for a loss and a quarterback hit. Uh, That was all fundamental by Leonard Williams. But Justin Ellis, hey, listen, you can go eight years without a quarterback sack. Tackle for a loss for O'Shane Zimenez was actually pretty pretty pivotal because I want to say it was an overtime as well, and they ran the football, and Zimenez was right there. And that was they were like in the 40s. I would say early 40s, and then it moved back a little bit. And then they ran a screen and got cute, which uh, Washington fans, I'd be a little concerned about uh, Scott Turner. I'd be a little concerned in terms of that play call. And then the man of the hour, the elephant in the room, Azizo Jalari, two quarterback hits, a forced fumble, and a sack. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned before. I'll say it again. Five sacks, ten quarterback hits. Five tackles for loss and four pass deflections. Team stats-wise, 20 first downs for the Giants, 25 for Washington, nine passing first downs for the Giants, 13 for Washington, 10 rushing first downs, 11 for Washington. Uh, Each team had one first down from a penalty. Giants were four for 13 on third. Washington was three for 14. 
Fourth down efficiency, they had one fourth down made, and it was a pretty damn good play by Taylor Heineke. And uh, Giants did not go for it at all, so they were 0 for 0. Total plays-wise, the Giants ran 65, they ran 82. Total yards, 316, we had, and 411 for Washington. 14 for Big Blue, total drives, and 13 for Washington. 4.9 yards per play for the New York Giants and 5 for the football team. Football team commanders, I don't even know what the fuck to call them. Uh, 2 for 3 in the red zone, the Giants were, and uh, Washington was 1 for 2. Giants had only 4 penalties for 34 yards, but you could tell it still impacted the game. And then uh, 7 penalties for 56 yards for Washington. Obviously, fumbles lost led to turnovers. I don't know if I mentioned the Daniel Jones fumble, but I probably did when I said Daniel Jones fumble recovered by Jermaine Davis. Um, I think Jonathan Allen was the one who forced that out. Drawn Payton, one of those big, fat defensive linemen. Time possession was totally lean to the uh, totally lean to the uh, commander's side at 41-11 compared to the Giants' 28-49. So I'm going to take a sip, try to regain my voice a little bit, and we're going to go on a little tangent here. With that being said, with that being said, let's get right into it. Daniel Jones had an average game, nothing more or less in my opinion. He didn't do anything to totally put the team on his shoulders, and maybe at times, but it just was an average effort, average output. Saquon Barkley peaked 1,000 yards, not too efficient. But you know what? Let's get into it. Let's get into my little tangent here. It might be 20 minutes. It might be 10 seconds. Who knows? Um, I'm sick and tired of the Giants being a team that their identity really shouldn't be that. Because you get guys from Buffalo and Kansas City and Kafka and Dable, but they're going on a conservative philosophy. If you don't trust Daniel Jones, however you, you in the universe, Giants fans, feel that he's playing, Good, bad, and different. If you don't believe in the quarterback you're putting on the field week after week after week after week, you should not be playing him. If you don't believe in him and you're going to put the team on one person's back, being Saquon Barkley, you should not be playing him. Because it's cost this team the last few games in offense. It really has. And these tendencies and the trust, the two T's, three fucking T's. How about that? We got tie, we got tendency, we got trust. No, let's add a fourth T. We're going to go tendencies, trust, tie, timeouts. Because that's all the bullshit that ended up costing us this game. Timeouts, tendencies, trust. What the fuck was the other T? Timeouts, tendencies, trust, tie. How about that? Okay, so you make it like a math equation. I just thought of that. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run with that a little bit. I'm gonna run with that. Let's go to something I've been tracking. I wasn't really tracking it last week against the Cowboys. I was tracking it against the Lions, though. So you guys remember when I was running on Kafka, and I was talking about the efficiency on first down, right? You know, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and Saquon Barkley had like ten carries, twelve yards, for one point five yards per carry. And Daniel Jones was like 7 for 14, 70-some-odd yards or 90-some, whatever. You guys can go back to the pod, refer back to that if you guys want the knowledge. So I decided to do that again because this game 
it was pretty evident that they were going back on the same fucking train again. First down runs. And to credit, there were two runs that were really crucial. But guess what? None of them other else were. I didn't mean to split up the word other, but you get the point. Now, obviously, some of these runs get you first downs and whatever, but these are first down runs overall. This is like we're running on first down. Saquon Barkley, 15 carries, 53 yards, 3.5 yards per carry, and one touchdown. Slightly better, but not efficient. I think Saquon Barkley had four yards per carry at most uh, Sunday. Not efficient. This was the story, everybody, for one, two, maybe even three quarters. Because guess what, everyone? Guess what? Whether you agree time was on their side or not, and it's pretty contradictory. You may hear sirens in the background. I apologize. It was pretty contradictory because remember last week, they ran it with like five minutes to go in the game, and they were losing. They were fucking losing. Whether they were getting good, bad, and different runs. So it was the tale of two different things. You go in the first half, right, towards the field goal that we made at the end of the half. They were running the ball like we had 15 minutes to play. And yes, it worked for like one or two runs. But after that 21-yard run that Barkley broke out for, what'd they do? They stopped us for four fucking yards. Four yards in the backfield. So we had to, once again, with the horrible timeout management that Brian Dable has acquired, we had to pivot ourselves in second down, and we had to force Daniel Jones to throw. It's very, very odd what they're doing, and it's not really, I guess you could say fluid is a word, but it's not really consistent either. Because you talk about that, right? And over time, What did they do? All first downs, they passed. Maybe there was one or two runs, but that was designed. I wouldn't say it was designed, but it was Daniel Jones coming out of the pocket. So, it's weird. It really is weird. The Giants, and you can sit here and say to me, the Giants don't have personnel to sit here and win by two scores. I'm going to sit here and tell you that's bullshit. While it does impact them a ton, the way the coaching staff closes in the margin of error is completely frightening because you have that first half, right? You have the end of the first half. Then you have, what the fuck was that 13 to 20 drive? I think it was the drive that we punted And then they went downfield and scored and made it 20. So obviously, yeah, you had the the Slayton Slayton catch, first down, all that. And then obviously you get the stupid taunting penalty, which I'll get to Feliciano in a little bit. Um, So you had that. And then they go complacent. It's like they're already in field goal range. When they're not. They were... Pass the 50, you have the penalty, it moves you back. And they're like, that's okay, we're going to run down clock anyway. I am sick and tired of the conservative philosophy from this team. Whether it's this year or years past. There's no aggressiveness. You'd rather go down fighting 
than just sit there, wave the white flag of complacency. And I think at the end of the day, there's a saying that sticks to me and has stuck to me for a while. Don't punch somebody in the face if you don't expect to get punched back. Or at least if you don't want to get punched back. Because there's there's two outcomes. You can either punch somebody in the face and knock them out. Or you can punch somebody in the face. They punch you in the face next. So, unfortunately, it seems as if the Giants aren't ready to be up to that level. Talent and coaching imposed. Which is terrible. Now... I've gone on a tangent for the past few seconds, minutes even, without giving you Daniel Jones stats on first down. 12 for 15, 146 yards, 9.7 yards per attempt, and 12.2 yards per completion. Everyone's probably saying, look, Alex, you need to take that 55-yarder away. That was a chunk play. Okay, let's take it away. His completion percentage, his completion percentage was at 80. With that 12 for 15. Well, you move it back to that one play. You move the one play out. 11 for 14. That's a 78% completion percentage. That is very fucking good. However you want to phrase it, right? Um, you know, a few, a few weeks ago, when I was talking about uh, the Lions game, he was only at 50 and I was still making the argument. He was 50% completion. On first down. Well, he's gotten better, kind of. So, if you also take that Slayton throw out, you have 91 yards, and you have 6.5 yards per attempt. That's about average. But you look at the gains they had, right? Either way, you take that 55 out or not. 8, 2, 55, 8, 12, 3, 11, 7, 10, 12, 4, 14. Let's see how many of those make into first downs. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 of the 15 passing attempts, 6 of the 12 completions equal first downs. Let's do this now. Let's go into... How many of those would set you up for a second and medium, second and short? One. Two. Three. About three. Okay. Which? Okay, let, let, let's... I'm not going to beat around the bush any longer. Only three of the 15 pass attempts, three of the 12 completions, would have set you up for a second and long. By Kafka, that should tell you that Daniel Jones is efficient on first down when you let him throw the ball. And even if it's not 10 yards, if you design it correctly, you could get a second and short, a second and medium, and then run Saquon Barkley. Wow. It's like you're doing two things at the same time. You're making Jones more efficient, you're making Barkley more efficient, and you're giving him a rest on his legs. Wow. It's not that hard really isn't so in terms of that that's why I'm pissed that's why I'm pissed at this coaching staff and it's right for the Giants fan base to criticize it and I go back to this I go back to this Luca last year on boys in the big apple he tore into Salah 
when they got crushed by the Patriots. He tore into them earlier this year when they lost to the Ravens. Being critical early. Now, you could argue over-critical, under-critical, whatever. I think the Giants should be a little more... Giants fans should be a little more critical and ease out of this honeymoon. Because as much as it is a rebuild, I don't want to be collapsing. No. Brian Dable and his coaching staff have built up a foundation of compliments and good production. Let's not fucking put water, put fucking... Let's not have the tidal wave fucking collapse the sandcastle here. Very weird. I just thought of that on the spot. But let's not do that. Because if you do that, we're going into next year thinking, do we have a head coach? And I understand this. With Anthony Richardson declaring for the draft and all these different guys, the Giants probably want to put themselves in a position, not tanking, I'm not talking about that, but they want to be in a position to select a quarterback. And they want their own guy, which is very understandable. At the same time, going back to the point I reiterated in the beginning, if you don't believe in Daniel Jones and if you believe Tyrod Taylor's skill set will be able to make you win football games, then you should play Tyrod Taylor. Would I like it? No. But if you have more trust in Tyrod Taylor than Daniel Jones, what the fuck am I going to say? What am I going to do? What am I going to impact the fucking thing? So, it's just very odd. It really is. And people were talking about this this clip that, you know, Brian Dable said, well, they made uh, better play calls than us and they executed better than us. I don't think that's a shot at Kafka. I really don't. Maybe it is, but it's standard coach talk. It really is. So, I'm pissed. The Giants have a few good teams in the next few weeks. The Vikings have a bad defense, but I still think we're going to lose that game. The Giants are going to be under the lights Sunday night primetime against a football team in a critical game because we need to beat them. A lot of things need to go right for them. A lot of things need to go right for them. This game in Detroit, those are two games they decided to throw in the trash and lose. I think this is a loss, but at the end of the day, it is a tie. So you throw those two games out, and now you have to compensate for that when it comes to trying to make the playoffs. You have to compensate for that. Um, you know, Colts, I think, I think is a win. What other win you have on the schedule? Eagles? It's going to be really tough. I mean, they're probably a little bit of a better run defense now that Jordan Davis is back, now that some of these other guys are back. And I said a few weeks ago, I really didn't fear Sue and uh, what's the other D tackle they picked up? They they picked up another defensive tackle, but they picked up up oh, Nadamik and Sue and Linville Joseph. They picked up those two guys, so they have a rotation of a couple of good defensive linemen. But the way the offensive line is looking, the way they like to overuse the run game, I mean, uh, we we have to fear a little bit next week. And you know what? With Giant fans slowly easing out of the feeling of. Ah, gee, I, I, I don't know about this team. My life, unfortunately, might fill up with Eagle fans this week. Not something I'm looking forward to at all. At all. But 
if you want to talk about the wide receiver core for two seconds, Darius Slayton with a key dropped, uh, key drop pass. Um, as far as that one goes, people are critiquing Jones for it. In my opinion, if you have two hands on it, you should catch it. That was a catchable ball. He should have went like this and rung it down. But you'll have your oh shit moments and your wow, that was great moments with Slayton. That's just the type of player he is, and it is a testament to the player he is. It's also a testament to the fact that the Giants need more wide receivers. They need more talented guys. Slayton can't be 100% dependent on. Um, it's just been a fact. Not that he shouldn't get a second contract. I still am of that belief. Isaiah Hodgins, I mean, I think this kid could be the fourth wide receiver next year. I'm going to be honest with you. Number one or two? No. But he's got some solid skills. I mean, he's got that taller build. Um... He's got a little speed, too. He's got a little bit of speed. He's got that push in him. So, uh, Hodgins looks pretty good. As far as the blocking, it wasn't great. I mean, the offensive line, I don't really know what happened in terms of the tackles. I thought Evan Neal didn't do bad. Um, it's that fucking interior, man. Glowinski got beat on one of the first sacks of the game by uh, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. He's just so under-fucking-sized, and he doesn't even make up for it. With his technique and all that. He, in my opinion, and I've seen more Giants fans get on the train with this. He might need to be benched once Bredesen comes back. And I'm not fucking kidding around anymore. Once Bredesen comes back, once Azudu comes back, you might need to change up the line a little bit for the final time this season. Of course, barring injury. But in my opinion, I've talked to Giant fans about this. Especially, uh, um, you know, on Sunday. I was speaking to a few. Most of the guys I talk to, their dream line is Thomas, Azudu, Gates, Lewinsky, and Neil. I don't know how Gates played yesterday. Personally, if you want my opinion, I never have really been a fan of him at left guard. I've always been a fan of him at center. And, you know, tackle obviously was a few years ago. Guard was a few years ago. So, Feliciano, I mean, PFF is so far up his ass that they're living his in his intestines. Um... Because I, I just don't get why he got an 82 grade. It's it's literally backwards. It's literally backwards. Evan Neal got like a 53. That's why you don't trust PFF. Because, you know, they say they study every single sap. No, they fucking don't. They always, they reference, and this goes back to, this is a little argument, by the way. This goes back to something that I saw on Twitter a few weeks ago. And Zach Wilson, you know, he had an okay game. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't great. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't bad. But an okay game against Buffalo. And Zach Wilson had a really bad game against the Falcons last year. But for some reason, they gave him a better grade against the Falcons last year than the Bills this year. And then all Sam Munson, that PFF scumbag, kept referring to in his argument with a couple of Jet fans was the stat sheet. I mean, you clearly don't watch the film if you're saying the stat sheet 100 times over. Ooh, I'm going to take another sip and we're going to talk about this defense. And let's get into it. I'm going to go over the negative first. I'm going to go over the negative first. There's real three neg- really three negatives that I am, uh, I'm going to point out. The missed tackles in the secondary, that was probably the worst of the season. Probably the worst of the season. Because those, those missed tackles led to two touchdowns. And those were the two touchdowns they put up. Uh, the Terry McLaurin touchdown missed tackle by Fabian Moreau. I mean... I'm not going to sit here and defend Fabian Monroe for the way he played. The whole secondary, in a pinch, if you want to look into the specifics, I don't think they played well at all. I really don't. 
Um, you know, there were some plays. They made some nice plays and whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think they played well. I really don't. Um, and then you had the Zion Gilbert missed tackle on Jihad Natsen, who's a fucking lightning bolt. And then Nick McLeod, he got spun like this is Madden 24. I mean, that was that was pretty insane. But this had to be one of our worst tackling games ever uh, This with this coaching staff overall. Uh, just wasn't a good game. And something I'll hint to before I get to something else, running game is still unsolvable. Honestly, at this point, I don't blame Wink Martindale. I really don't. I think it's all down to personnel. Um, you know, you could obviously factor in Tay Crowder and all these different guys that could fill that position, Landon Collins maybe. Um, but at the end of the day, the Giants need some very, 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 very massive upgrades at linebacker. You can keep McFadden. Unfortunately, McFadden isn't necessarily much of a block disengager. But he he plays well. He plays well. He's on the field. You know, sometimes you don't know he's on the field, but uh, sometimes that'd be a good thing. Sometimes that can actually be a bad thing as well. So the running game is still unsolvable. Um, we're going to get some massive, massive competition next week with the Eagles. Um, and then we'll face a commander's game after that. So try to come up with a game plan. Maybe. Ooh, let's go to a hot topic before we get to the good stuff. Radarius Williams and Dane Belton did not play as well as Tay Crowder. I'm kind of shocked that Radarius Williams did not play. And if you want my honest opinion, that will be a critique of mine of Wink Martindale, probably the only one. Now, I'm going to sit here and say that I'm not appreciative of any player going out on social media and outing their coaching staff. That's no, absolutely not. Because we can sit here and create negatives Every single fucking time. Well, you know, they lost this game, this, that, and the other thing, whatever. But at the same time, they're giving you a chance. This is a coaching staff that looks competent with some miscues. They're giving you a chance. So, while Radarius Williams, in my opinion, should have played over a guy like Zion Gilbert, who's a UDFA out of FAU small school, I, I'm... I'm not for just going out and outing people on social media. I'm done with this. That's 14-year-old, 13-year-old shit. Subliminal messages. I'm done with that. Like, this is the social media age, and a lot of players want out that way. I'm not saying Rodarius Williams is a bad guy, but, you know, Darius Slain didn't do that. Right? He was on the bench for a while. For like three weeks, he was on the bench. And even week four, he wasn't that involved. But guess what happened? Got his opportunity. And he's a full-blown part of the offense. Dane Belton did not play. Did he say anything? No. He didn't. Um, I'm actually surprised he didn't play. I thought he would have been a little helpful. But he did not play one snap. So either he is dealing with an injury... And is still active, or they feel he's not ready to be on the field as much as the other guys. Jason Pinnock was playing a ton of safety. Darnie Holmes was inactive with a shoulder, which I thought he got benched at first, but then I'm like, was he on the injury report this week? And I checked, and he was. A shoulder injury. We'll go over one more name before we go to the good stuff. That's Tay Crowder. He on social media put free me. I forget what the other quote is. Free me something. I'm not a fan of that. You can sit here and once again, like 
for Darius Williams and argue whether this guy should be on the field or not instead of Jalen Smith or Mike McFadden, whatever, right? But at the same time, I don't agree with outing your coaching staff on social media. I also don't agree that you should be doing any type of complaining. Why do you ask? Because Tate Crowder is invisible on the field when he gets in. He cannot cover a running back to save his life. And as far as the run game goes, he's washed. He gets washed away. He gets washed away. Like the fucking little paper boat in uh, in the sewer in fucking, what's that movie? It. He gets washed away. And you don't see him again. Except there's no clown that comes up with the boat. So, improve your game. And it's not like you're Odell Beckham or Jalen Ramsey or these guys. They have accomplished resumes. Tay Crowder, I'm sorry you don't. You're Mr. Irrelevant. And I'm not going to say you're be a coaching staff homer because you could mix in Tay Crowder a little bit more. But that first half of the season for Tay Crowder was not one where you're going to say, we're going to play him the rest of the year. It, it just wasn't that impression that, you know, I was getting. To go with the positive, the pass rush was there. For the first time in how many games since the Texans game, the Giants got home. And they forced two fumbles. I want to say it was three, but it was two in real time, right? They got the forced fumble by Jihad Ward, and they also got the forced fumble by Aziz Ojolari, which ended up being a Giants turnover. And that put them in the end zone, by the way. I forgot to even recap in the offense that one touchdown was scored because of the fumble and you know it it could have very well just been three and then we would talk about a loss right now um but five azizo zolari is a game changer on the field in terms of this team now other teams maybe but i talked about in the preview how getting aziz back would put less attention on Kayvon, and Kayvon's still a force to be reckoned with i i'm still of that belief, but you notice that mixing and matching, Wink Martindale could do a couple of different things. Obviously, Aziz got in this. They were getting to. I think Leno had a pretty bad game, in my personal opinion, because the sack off of uh, Thibodeau, meaning Thibodeau got getting the sack on Heineke, that was on Leno. The forced fumble by Jihad Ward, I think that was on him. I think that the forced fumble from Aziz was on him. So overall, they were going through their power tackle. But it's not like Sam Cosme wasn't beat a few times. And Heineke was just getting away. It's great just to look at that game and say, wow, man, we have a pass rush. So, and this is the first game that those four, Dex, Leo, Kayvon, and Aziz have been on the field. This is the first game. Ever that they've been on the field at the same time. Aziz was suffering through shit in camp. Um, Leo had the injury in the preseason. Kayvon had the knee. And then they, you know, first few weeks they had they had Aziz, but they didn't have Leo. It was just a mixture of injuries. But, um, you know, shout out to the pass rush, right? Shout out to the pass rush. Uh, Leonard Williams didn't necessarily get a sack, but, hey, he made the way. He paved the way, really, for Justin Ellis to get his first full sack in the NFL. So, 
you know, sometimes you don't have to send the blitz. And a blitz got there at times, yeah. But imagine having a fearful, semi-fearful front four, and then you bring the blitz. And then you have good corners. Wow. What a game changer. Um, Giants were manageable with personnel and good wide receivers from Washington. Though it ripped on the corners, I do want to say overall that the corners did better than expected because they were they were not I would say beat 100% of the time and the reason why I think we look at this is two things because the running game was so poor in terms of the defense the defensive running game was bad um they kept running it on us we had no answer for it and it, you know in a way the running game doesn't equal 30 points doesn't equal 40 points 2025 is, in my opinion, in the NFL, max of what you get out of the running game now. And sometimes, you know, they started to learn some of the, you know, I would say the routines and the repertoires of uh, Taylor Heineke. Like he would go, you know, to McLaurin sometimes, right? And the uh, pass would be knocked out of the hands. We almost had an interception by Julian Love. Almost had a pick by Fabian Moreau. So, um, I'm not going to sit here and take away, well, you know, uh, I'm not going to act like that secondary didn't play awful in terms of tackling. Because I think that was worse than the coverage itself. I think tackling was worse than the coverage. Um, but overall, they played okay. I know people are getting on Fabian Moreau a little bit. I mean, he's a corner two. He's not a corner one. He's a corner two. But... If we didn't have him on the field and we had a Dory and then it was Zion Gilbert and Nick McLeod, I think we'd all shit our pants. So when a Dory comes back, Moreau will be a little bit better. Uh, as far as Gilbert goes, I don't think he should have been even playing in that spot. Um, at the end of the day, you do have to realize he's a UDFA. And then uh, McLeod, he's a backup. He is a backup. Um, you know, he had some nice plays and, you know, he, he had some very difficult plays in terms of output. Stock up, stock down, and then snap count. Um, Tibbs, Aziz, Jihad Ward, Dexter Lawrence, Justin Ellis, and Leonard Williams definitely get it for me. Um, I can't really say anyone else. Maybe Isaiah Hodgins and Daniel Bellinger as well. Evan Neal too. Um, for the stock up, stock down, Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, John Feliciano, Mark Lewinsky, Fabian Moreau, Nick McLeod, Zion Gilbert, and Jalen Smith. And then we go to the infamous snap counts. So the snap counts we have here. Also some factoids. Um, PFF stats, they tend to overrate pressures and overmeasure them, along with sacks too. So, you know, we'll see um, when it comes on different sites because different sites will d track it differently. But anyway, Mark Lewinsky allowed three pressures and gave up two sacks. Nick Gates allowed two pressures. Thomas allowed a sack and a pressure as well. Um, I find it really weird that Feliciano didn't give him a sack. Feliciano must have some money uh, in the bank to be paying these assholes to uh, to really just make a name for him, I guess. Pressures defensively, Aziz Ojolari with seven and a sack. That's really good, you know, coming off an injury. Thibodeau with four and a sack. Dexter Lawrence, five and a sack. Um, Nick McLeod gave up six targets, three receptions. Uh, Fabian Moreau gave up six receptions. Uh, excuse me, five targets, six receptions. Wow, I'm not even, uh, I can't even talk. We're 40 minutes in, and I'm getting to that point. Was targeted six times, gave up five receptions, one touchdown. Zion Gilbert gave up six receptions on seven targets, one touchdown. So, 
finally got it out. Um, snap counts. Let's get to that. Daniel Jones, John Feliciano, basically the whole line, and Jones played 100%. Daniel Bellinger missed only two snaps in the game. That's pretty fucking good. Pretty fucking good. Uh, 97% Darius Slayton, 92% Barkley, 88%. Isaiah Hodgins, 80%. 52% from Richie James. And you know what? Someone I didn't even point out on offense, and he wasn't necessarily a receiving factor because he wasn't getting any targets. Nick Vanette, I'm surprised they cut Tanner Hudson. Lawrence Cager was inactive, so I guess for right now they have four tight ends on the roster, and maybe we'll, they'll make a move at some point uh, to get an extra guy on because I don't think they'll keep four tight ends. Maybe they'll just keep Myrick as like, hey, the traditional fullback. Um, but he earned 45% of the snaps, more than Myrick, who had 12%. Marcus Johnson, 15%, 14% for Matt Breida. Uh, Tyree Phillips is the extra tackle, 3%, and David Sills, 2%, which was one snap. And then you look at the defense. Julian Love played 85 snaps, 100%. Nick McLeod, 100%. Fabian Rowe, 100%. 93% for Jason Pinnock. Uh, 91% for Dexter Lawrence, 87% for Tibbs, Jalen Smith, 74%, Michael McFadden, 67%, Zion Gilbert, 66%, 58% for Aziz Ojolari, 42% for O'Shane Zimenez, 41% for Leonard Williams, uh, 35% for Jahad Ward, 33% for Tony Jefferson and Henry Mondo, 29% for Justin Ellis, 26% for Cordell Flott, Vernon Butler also was in the game. I wonder what his impact was like. Uh, 14% and Timon Fox. He was in there early. Um, 11%. So there's that. Um, real quick, just wanted to shout out because I promised you guys like a bit of a fun kind of segment at the end. Um, shout out to the Talking Giants, guys. They host really good tailgates. Um, I don't. Th I think that's really an underestimation. But, uh, you know, their tailgates are always fire. A lot of people come. I thought there was a lot of people more you know, to the Sunday tailgate than last year against the Eagles. Uh, it was warmer, but also at the same time, you know, it was a different setting. It was in December. Uh, you know, they, they, they do a good job. Creds to Bobby, um, Justin, Candlewick Diner, Danny, Snacks, and also shouts to the people who came and the people I met again. Cranky Fan, Football Grump, Johnny Five from Twitter, um, Dable arriving from Twitter. Uh, you know, all these different guys, they, they're awesome, man. They're, they're awesome. The Giants content community as very baffled as they can be amongst each other. They, you know, we support our own, we support our own. Um, obviously loyal supporter, Matt Riley was there and came to sit with us even in the second half. Uh, even when we were stressing over the tie, just wanted to shout them out. Um, as far as some of what happened yesterday, I'll just go through my whole routine. Well, yesterday, because I'm recording on a Monday, but you guys know it's Sunday. Uh, got up at 6. I only got three hours of sleep. Got up at 6. Um, left the house at like 6.30. I think that might have been the latest. But got on the train around 6, uh, 6.50. Got on the end train. Took it to uh, Times Square. Got into Port Authority just about five minutes before the bus showed up. So that was like really, really cutting it close. Um, then we showed up in the parking lot probably around 8, 8, 10, 8, 15. Um, and they were already there partying, doing whatever. Um, then we got in, went to the shop a little bit, and then went to our seats, went to the game, had some fun. 
watched a fucking tie. Then, <sighs> the New Jersey Transit something different, man. Um, we had an original, like, miscommunication between me and my brother because he was like, okay, we'll take the train. So I thought he meant the train going from uh, MetLife to Secaucus, Secaucus to Penn Station. And first, we were actually going to take the Uber to the East Rutherford train station, which is actually something different, and take that straight to the city because that's something you could do. So time was cutting very close, and we're like, fuck, okay? So there's a huge-ass fucking line for this uh, train that gets back to Sea Caucus, it goes back to Penn Station, so we were worried. We're like, oh, fucking shit, you know, they're not going to take us. So the guy actually gave us some good advice. He's like, the line's usually longer. You're going to be good. So we get that. Um, Then, what else happens? What else happens that I have to include? So we do that. Go to Sea Caucus. We don't move for like five minutes because someone was like shutting the doors or something, holding the doors. And, of course, New Jersey Transit, not like the MTA. MTA will just scream at you. New Jersey Transit being the weirdos they are on the, uh, the intercom. Stop holding the doors. We will get the police down here. I'm like, what the fuck are you going to do? So, anyway, we get moving. Get into uh, Penn Station probably around the 6, 6.05 hour-ish. Um, and then we had to purchase the tickets and didn't realize that Luka didn't purchase the tickets until, um, until we got on the train heading back to Penn Station. So that was fun. Also for the fact that we didn't have service, so it had to be really last minute. And then uh, the Ticketmaster slash TickPick wasn't working for like five minutes. Then we got in, and then uh, we got to our seats. Had a fun time. Had a fun time screaming at Cleveland fans who claimed they're New Yorkers. and uh, called, them, called them transplants a couple of times. Uh, you know, obviously the Knicks played some sloppy basketball against the uh, against the Cleveland Cavaliers and Spida. But uh, with that being said, at the end of the game, because I was so happy and riled, I'm like, go back to Cleveland in the middle of fucking nowhere. That was fun. But um, after that, we went to uh, an Irish restaurant called The Perfect Pint, watched some Sunday Night Football, and, you know, that was my day. So... Just wanted to fill you guys in on that. Like, comment, subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when live stream pops or video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool.